So um, one of the cool things about the season of life that you're in is there's people from all over. <clears throat> and so I wanna, I wanna start uh, with, with a question, have a little bit of crowd interaction, engagement here for just a second. Um, I wanna ask where is home, <clears throat> where is home for you? Um, like what you would consider home, maybe like a hometown, maybe we can kind of start there. Like where, where, it actually, it would be fun to start, no offense, outside of Georgia. Any, any hometowns outside of Georgia? Any, what's your hometown from? Mexico, let's go. That's, not, that's like a home country. You got like, uh, for, uh, that, from where in Mexico? Mexico City. Mexico City, that's awesome. Can in, this is, we're already good. Can anyone beat Mexico? I can't beat it, San Diego, California. San Diego, California, that's still legit. That's actually, you know what? I actually think that might be further, depending on, yeah, I go to all-inclusive resorts uh, and it's not that far of a flight. Um, <clears throat> that's amazing. It's Mexico, San Diego, welcome, by the way. That's so cool. Um, what about you? Germany, that's amazing. All of you are from Germany. Raise your hand if you're from Germany. Oh my gosh, didn't think I'd get three hands. That's amazing, that's amazing. Uh, can, can, anybody, can anybody beat Germany? That'd be ridiculous. It'd have to be, uh, wait, oh my gosh, what you got? India, oh my gosh, what's up, man? That's, he gave us a flex, that's amazing. You can flex on that, that's really great. Um, that, we got one. What? Who's from Syria? A guy at your school? But he's not in here? Okay. Cool. That's awesome. Um, so for me, my parents, my parents were born in Israel, um, which, which is a fun little fact about me. But I grew up right down the road in Marietta. So Marietta's like home for me. Um, actually, any, where are my Marietta people at? What's up, everybody? Yeah, good to see you. Um, I, but I, I, wasn't, I wasn't born there. This is weird. When my parents immigrated from Israel, they immigrated to Lebanon, Tennessee. Uh, I think they thought it'd be like home, and it was not. It was Tennessee, you know what I'm saying? Uh, they lasted two years. Uh, and so uh, that, I was born here. We moved to Marietta um, when I was two years old. So I grew up in Marietta. So like when I think about home, I think about Marietta. But here's what's so true, and, and you, you totally get this, right? That um, you might have like a, a default place when you think about home, a country, a city, a hometown. But I bet you for a lot of us, when we think about home, uh, there's probably a couple different places and locations in different seasons of our lives that maybe we've considered home. Like for me, yeah, like Marietta was home, but particularly like there's one house I grew up in from two ages two all the way up until the eighth grade. And man, that certainly felt like home, but then we moved. And so when, from my high school year, um, my high school years, college years, my parents still live in the house that we moved to when I started high school. Like that house also feels like home. Like I, you know, I was not married before we moved to that house and like the big part of my life has happened. So that feels like home. But then I got married and me and my wife, we've had a few different places that we've lived. We've had a few different apartments that we've lived in. There was one particular apartment in Buckhead that we lived in that was so, so awesome. It was so cool. And we like made it so dope. And we had like this gallery wall. It was like 700 square feet, but it was so awesome. Um, and it was our second year of marriage and we lived like near OK Cafe and you know, we could drive to the Fox and be back in 10 minutes. It was so cool, we didn't have any kids yet. And um, we, you know, it was when I had first started the living room and so we got to know a bunch of students, but have them down to the city. I felt so cool, get down from Kennesaw, come, come hang out, Buckhead. Um, and I remember moving out of that place was so emotional. We lived there for a year and we moved out of that place because we're like, hey, we think we're gonna start having kids. So we're like, we can't bring children to this small closet of an apartment. And, uh, and I remember it was so emotional. We packed it all up and we're sitting there staring at it. 
I'm crying, she's crying. Like it feels like the end of a season of like a really, like a TV show. And, and Julia was like, well, what should we do? Like here in this like last few moments we have is like in this apartment. I'm like, I don't know, what do you think? She's like, how about a kiss? And I was like, how about we upgrade that to a makeout? Like what do you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we just kissed. I don't even think I got that far. But, um, but it was so emotional because it was, that, that felt like home. But then we, we moved to Marietta. We bought a house in Marietta. We've lived there since 2018. And I've got three little girls, all five, three, and one and a half, Harper, Samantha, and Zara's the freshest. And, um, and, and yeah, <laughs> newborn or fresh, I don't know. Uh, but but she, we were like, we bought that house. All three of our girls were, you know, we brought them home to that house. We've renovated that house. So that house also feels like home. Here's kind of my point, and, and you know this, you know this. Home, home is more than a place. Home, go to the next slide. Home is more, maybe, yeah, there we go, thanks, appreciate it. <clears throat> home is more than a place, right? Like a house or an apartment, it's something that you see, but home is something that you can feel. A house is something that you can touch. An apartment is something you can touch. A dorm, unfortunately, is something you can touch. Um, but, but a home is something that you experience. Come on, you know this, right? Like home, home is where some of your greatest affections lie. Home is where you've got some incredible memories. Home is where you have some really hard memories. Home, if you're like me, thought you'd be in the NBA growing up, you had a crack in your driveway and that was a three-point line. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. And then eventually you had cracks and you played all around the world. Like, it, you know, it's just kind of what you did. Like, that's home. Home um, is where you're comfortable. Home is where you can have a good cry. Home is where you go when there's nowhere else to go. Home is where you can be fully you. Home is where you can let your guard down. Home is where you're not supposed to feel any fear of judgment. Home is where family is. Home is where you hope to be loved, where you can grow. Home ultimately is where you can belong. You, like, there's no place like home. And here's what I've found personally to be true in my life, that in every season of my life, from being a student into you know, graduate school, adulthood, and even now that I'm married with kids, in every season of my life, I craved for the things that made home home. In every season of my life, no matter where I am, what I'm doing, who I'm with, I crave for the things in the deepest parts of my soul that makes home feel like home. And I would say that those things is love, a sense of family, a sense and a confidence of belonging, and the freedom to experience authenticity, to be authentically me. That no matter who you are or where you are, whether you're a person of faith or not a person of faith, you might be in here because you heard there was free Chick-fil-A and now it's too awkward to leave, right? Like, I don't know who you are or what your story is, okay? But come on, no matter who you are, like, we all have this desire to be surrounded by people who love us. Like, we've got this, this desire to share experiences with other human beings. We crave an opportunity to let our guard down and to not have to put on a show. Like, we have a desire to wanna be known and to belong. And here's what's true for some of you, that for some of you, like, this was home for you. Like, you've had seasons of your life where you've experienced this, but for some of you, home was never any of these things. But isn't it so true? You knew that home should have been. 
You knew that home could have been. And maybe for you, and even up to this point in your life, you've never had a, a place or a, or, a, or, a, uh, or a season where you were experiencing the full love and connection and belonging of what home could be, but you've longed for it because you know that it just should be. You're starving for what could be. In college, college, in your early, you know, you're 18, 19, 20, even if you're not in college, maybe you're taking a gap year, maybe you're straight to working, these early kind of adult years of your life that really are, they really are, the launching pad into the rest of your life. I mean, you think about like, like preschool, you're into elementary school, and after elementary school, it was like middle school. Then after middle school, you're going to high school. And then for most people, after high school, I'm doing a college. But even that, it's like, okay, well, I'm doing, I'm gonna work, whatever. But once you get done with high school, like there isn't like an obvious next. You're getting launched into the rest of your life. And in this particular season, you're such a unique season of your life where for some of you, you've left home. For some of you, you've moved away from home. And for you, you're kind of like nine months out of the year, you're like this nomad, right? Going apartment to apartment, Chick-fil-A to Chick-fil-A, Chipotle to Chipotle, Starbucks to Starbucks, just trying to piece together cookout to cookout if you're trying to die early. Um, And (laughs) you're just trying to piece it all together and it's like, okay, what is home? This dorm can't be, do you know what I'm saying? It's where I sleep, but that's about it. And then for some of you, you're living at home and you're kind of like, man, I need a... I need a place that is not this house. You know what I'm saying? I need, mom, I love you. I need a place that I know. We got a woo back there, bless you, okay? (laughs) Prayers up, fam. We need a place. More than any other season of your life this far, you've never needed a home away from home more. A place where you know that you're loved, a place where you know you can experience family, a place where you know you can experience authenticity, a place where you can belong. And tonight, for just a few minutes, I want to tell you why I believe this place can be that for you. Why Woodstock City Church, why the living room can be your home away from home. And and for some of you, for some of you grew up in church, and it's like, yeah, cool, you, you knew. You came to college, I'm gonna get plugged into a church and, and for the next little while, no judgment, you're gonna church hop and you're gonna find the one that you like the best. That, 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 that's cool. But um, for some of you, if you're just being honest, you're just like, love, family, you know, connection, authenticity, belonging, a home away from home at church, that, that hasn't been my experience because for some of you, for some of you, like your church experience or maybe your experience with a church person, your experience with a Jesus follower, Like maybe for you, you've been jaded by the church because for you growing up, it was just all about some kind of religion. A system where you just kind of felt like you had to fit into. Or maybe for you, growing up, religion or faith or church was all about legalism. And it was about the do's and the don'ts and you've got to measure up and if you don't, you're out. Or maybe for you, maybe the reputation of the church that you're having to walk through right now or maybe your experience with a Jesus follower is that church has always been all about criticism, criticizing your behavior, criticizing who you are, criticizing your dreams, criticizing what you want to do. Or maybe for you, and this is especially if you grew up in church, Church has just become normal. It's just about a program, something you show up to, you just go, you sit there, amen, and then you just kinda leave and you just kinda do it week in, week out, and then you skip whenever you feel like it, right? Like, it's just kind of about a program. Can I tell you a little bit about what you can expect to find here? That here at the living room and here at Woodstock City Church, we're going to put a premium on people way over just a 
program. We're gonna put a premium on compassion over criticism. We're gonna put a premium on love over legalism. We're gonna put a premium on relationships over religion because that's what Jesus did. That you open up the pages of the gospel, you open up the pages of the New Testament and the gospels are just documents that account for us the life of this man named Jesus. And when you open up the pages of the gospel, Jesus shocked the first century that was full of religious leaders known as the Pharisees that had a religion. They had a system of exclusion. And this system of exclusion kind of decided who did and did not belong, who was in and who was not in. And if you did not measure up, you were out. And so Jesus came into the first century and he built relationships with people that drove the religious people crazy. Jesus showed compassion to people that the religious people would have been like, they don't deserve compassion. Jesus extended love towards people that the first century religious leaders would have said they don't deserve it. Jesus shattered their categories that they had built up in the name of religion. And Jesus, Jesus, Jesus rocked the first century with his answer to this question, who belongs in the family of God? Who belongs? Who belongs in the family? Like, who can be here? Who belongs? And this is such a big question. And even if, again, even if you're not sure what you do or don't believe about faith, like, I don't really know that I wanna belong in the family of God. I'll meet you halfway. You still want to belong somewhere because you know this. I know this. There's nothing worse than not belonging like it doesn't matter who you are, what you believe, where you're from, what you're experiencing. There's nothing worse than feeling left out. Like those insecurities that we felt as middle schoolers, they don't go away as we get older. They just manifest differently. Come on. There's nothing worse than not feeling welcome, especially if it's directly connected to who you are, or what you believe. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than not feeling the freedom to let somebody experience who you really are and what you're really walking through. There's nothing worse than feeling invisible. And as amazing as college is, you know this, I'll never forget my first day. I went to University of Georgia and I, my first day, it was like, here I was, I was so excited. I was like, man, I'm gonna go conquer the world. And then I was just this, I'm already tiny. And so I, was, I had a friend today text me that I'm like bite-sized Snickers. I was like, thank you. Um, <laughs> I felt like absolutely nothing, invisible to this massive world around me. College is so great, but it is so easy to walk through college and be surrounded by a bunch of people, but still feel a little bit alone because you're not fully known. It's one of the reasons why loneliness is so unnatural to us, because loneliness disconnects us from what it means to be human. Like, whether you've ever admitted it to yourself or not, there's something unsettling about loneliness and being surrounded but not connected, being surrounded but not known, being afraid to let people in. So whether or not you wanna belong in the family of God or not, you do want to belong somewhere, but for some of you, maybe the church has messed up the answer to this question. And Jesus came to answer this question emphatically, and he did. And what I wanna to do tonight, I wanna to answer this question by looking at something that one of Jesus' um, 
closest followers. His name was John, the Apostle John. He wrote the Gospel of John, but he also wrote these three letters near the end of his life, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Super creative with how they titled stuff in the Bible. Uh, But um, he was one of Jesus' closest disciples, and he got a front row seat to how Jesus answered this question. He got a front row seat to the uncomfortable moments where Jesus is extending compassion and an invitation and love to people that the religious leaders would have been like, I can't believe you're talking to that sinner, to that person. I can't believe you're making space for them. John got a front row seat to the world that Jesus came to flip upside down. And he answers the question, who belongs? First John chapter four, verse 18, the apostle John writes this. He says, there is no fear in love. I love this. And and you've experienced this, especially in relationships where you know, right? There is no fear in love. In other words, um, in love, in love, there is comfort. In love, there is safety. In love, there is confidence. In love, there is grace. There is no fear in love. But then he takes it a step further and he says this, but, but perfect love. Like, perfect love, it does something. It's not just that there is no fear in love, but perfect love does something different. It actually works to drive out fear. He says, because fear has to do with punishment. Okay, now, let me explain what he's, what he's saying here. So like, what, what, what are we talking about punishment? What, what are we talking about here? Perfect love drives out fear. What is perfect love? Perfect love is love that never fails. Perfect love is love that never stops. Perfect love is relentless. Perfect love is extravagant. Perfect love is fully complete. Perfect love gets it right all the time. Perfect love has no bounds. And perfect love loves whether it is deserved, earned, or not. That's what perfect love is. And what John is describing here is God's love. Because God's love is perfect love. And what John is saying is God's love actually drives out fear. In fact, God's love obliterates fear. And then John kind of tagged on that last little verse there. It's a little bit confusing. He says, perfect love, God's love drives out fear. It obliterates fear. There is no room for fear when we are dealing with the love of God. Because he says, because Fear has to do with punishment. Now, when he talks about fear, he's not talking about like the fear of a spider, which I hate, or the fear of heights. I really hate anything that's an insect and lives outside. Uh, but <clears throat> anyways, he's not talking about like, the fe- like, like fear of public speaking or fear of like wh- whatever you might have, what kind of phobia that you might have. He's connecting fear to punishment. And what he's describing is this. He's describing the fear, he's describing the fear that has to do with punishment because we are rejected by God. He's talking about we don't have to fear being rejected by God. That we don't have to fear being abandoned by God. We don't have to fear that our sins are too big for God. We don't have to fear that God is going to punish us for our past. We don't have to fear that God is gonna punish us for our mistakes. We don't have to fear that God is gonna look at the the story of our lives and think, did I do enough good things to outweigh the bad? And if I didn't, then I'm in trouble. No, what he's describing for you and for me is that God's perfect love made a way for you and I 
to belong. Totally independent of how good you think you are. Totally independent of what you think you deserve and what you don't deserve. That we don't have to fear judgment. We don't have to fear that our sins are too big. Because God made a way. God made a way for you and I to belong. And what he did was he sent Jesus into this world. He sent Jesus into this world to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. So that no longer would life be about trying to chase perfection or chase an image or feel like there's a part of ourselves that we have to hide, a part of ourselves that we have to clean up, a part of ourselves that we've got to figure out, a part of ourselves that we've got to put, put in the background or only save for certain people. No, Jesus came to die on the cross so that we could experience freedom so that we could experience forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for mine, and then he rose from the grave on the third day, and when he did that, he conquered the power of sin and death. He defeated the power of sin and death, so that, so that, nothing would be able to define your life or mine other than the grace of God. That because of the work of Jesus, that was motivated by God's love for you, that our sins are forgiven, that we never have to fear God rejecting us, that we never have to wonder whether or not there's gonna be a place for us in the family of God based on religion. We know that there's a place for us because of relationship. And God's perfect love drives out that fear. He drives out the fear that you're not gonna be good enough by reminding you he hasn't asking you to be. He drives out the fear that you're too broken by promising. He wants to heal the broken parts of your life and of your heart. He wants to drive out the fear that your sins are too big by offering you endless grace, unfathomable grace. He wants to drive out the fear that your past and your story is too dark by showing you that Jesus came to be light. You need to hear this, that your struggles, if you're taking notes, I'd write these down. Your struggles, they don't deter him. Whatever it is you're walking in with, whatever struggle you're struggling with, whatever sin keeps rearing its ugly head, like it doesn't deter him. Your secrets, your secrets, they don't surprise him. He knows what you're wrestling with. He knows what you know that nobody else knows because you're so afraid for anybody to know because you don't want anybody to reject you, judge you, or think less than of you. Your sin doesn't scare him. And your story, your story doesn't disappoint him. Come on. We will go to endless lengths to try to gain love from people. And what John is saying, hey, God went to great lengths to show you his endless love for you. Not because you earned it, not because I deserve it, but because he chose to love anyway. His perfect love, his perfect love that never fails, that doesn't stop, that you can't stop if you tried, drives out the fear that you or I cannot belong. And he says, you can be a part of the family. 
I'm just telling y'all, this is the most freeing message on the planet. That you don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to strive. You don't have to do anything in order to be something for somebody else. That as you are and where you are, God meets you right where you are. And he wants to transform you. He wants to lead you. He wants to grow you. He wants to heal you. He wants to inspire faith in you. And his perfect love drives out the fear of anything But then, John, this is so challenging and this is so powerful. He talks about this unbelievable reality of God's love for us. But then he shows you and I our responsibility as a response. So he says, this is God's perfect love. It drives out fear. And then he goes on in the very next verse. He says, and we love. So God's love for us, it drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. We don't have to fear um, um, you know, judgment from God, rejection from God, okay? But then he goes on. So now, though, it's our turn. We love because he first loved us. And then this is so powerful. This is also so challenging. This is not my words, it's John, so don't get mad at me. Whoever, whoever claims to love God, and if I'm just being totally transparent, this is where the church has got it wrong so often. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. In other words, you can claim to love God and you can do all the church things and you can do all the Bible reading and you can memorize all the worship songs, but if you fail to love, it's all for nothing. Because everything that you and I do is meant to make us people that reflect more of who Jesus is. And so John says, hey, here's God's perfect love for you, but now here's your responsibility. The command is this, love one another. Show this love to one another. And it's rooted in God's love. This is, this is, so, this is so big, come on. Sometimes you wake up in a bad mood just because it's a Tuesday. Do you know what I mean? You do it all the time. Sometimes I'm in a bad mood and I snap at my wife and she's like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I don't know, it's Thursday. Do you know what I mean? Like I just, come on. Our feelings are not a good barometer for how we should treat people all the time. You know what I'm saying? This is so important, this is so important. Our love for the world around us isn't rooted in how we feel. It's not rooted in what they deserve. It's not rooted in what they've earned from us. It is rooted in the fact that God loved us and continues to love us even though we've never earned it nor deserve it. We are, this is so we are to love in a way. We are to show the world the love that drives out fear. We are to love others that drives out the fear of rejection. We are to love others in a way that drives out the fear that they don't belong. We are to love others in a way that drives out the fear that God is done with them. John says, hey, God's love is this, and this is the beginning. This is the foundation. But if we fail to show that love to the world, if you're a follower of Jesus, then what are we doing? In fact, if we fail to show the world the love that drives out that fear, 
then we have failed to understand the love that we receive from God. So, the living room, the home away from home. A place where you're gonna experience love and family. A place where you can be authentic and experience belonging. Not because we're like special and super awesome. I'm one of the meanest people I know, okay? It's not like we're holier people. Here, here's why. I'm not that mean, I'm just kidding. Sometimes I am, just to cut me off. Here's, because <clears throat> the heart of God, the heart of God will set the tone for our home. The heart of God and who he is to us will set the tone for what this place will be, what we will represent, and it should set the tone for how we represent him to the world around us. And so, if, if, if home is where love should live, if love is where home should live, well, I'm just here to tell you that TLR is where love will live. The living room is where love will live. The living room is where you can come as you are. The living room is where your future is not gonna be defined by your past. The living room is a place where we're gonna celebrate people that find their way back the living room is a place that you can belong. And again, not because we're like the nicest people on the planet. I think we're pretty nice people. But because we are taking our cues from Jesus. And we take so seriously, and this is the church that we wanna be because I believe this is the church that God has called us to be to let the tone that we live with, the tone that we lead with, and the tone that we love with be modeled and reflected and built on the foundation of God's heart for the world. And so if you're new here, if you're new to the living room, if you're trying to find your place, that's what you can find here. And I love, I love what the psalmist writes in Psalm 68, verse six, this is so powerful. He says that God sets the lonely in families. Another translation for this is God makes a home for the lonely. Hear me, and I'm gonna wrap up and I'm gonna invite the band up and we're gonna, we're gonna sing one more song. <clears throat> Hear me. You're not here on accident. Like you're not here by mistake. And here's what I want you to hear me say, is that there is more for you here than you probably could have ever imagined. There is more for you in this next year being connected to this place than just free dinner. The living room. What I hope will become your home away from home is a place where you can experience the love of God in a way that I believe will transform your life. And it will be a place that you can belong. So, night one, consider this your invitation.
consider this your invitation to get comfortable. Consider this your invitation to be a part of this home. Consider this your invitation to come as you are, with no expectation. Consider this your invitation to be a part of something bigger than yourself. I love what John did. Don't miss this. God's love, but then our responsibility. And if you're a freshman and you're, you're, you're trying to figure out what your place is here, I know, you're, you know for the next six weeks, you're gonna try it all the different ministries and different churches, and that's great. I, I'm just gonna shoot you straight. I hope you plug in here. I just hope you plug in somewhere. If that's here, we'd love to have you. If that's somewhere else, that's awesome. But I just want you to take the next six weeks and church shop, okay, do all that, and then plug in and root somewhere. And that goes for the rest of you too if you're trying to figure out what that place is. I hope it's here. We've got space for you if you ever change your mind. I don't care where it is. Find a place and plug in. Because, because here's what we've, we've, we've gotta get. There's so much for you here, but it's bigger than you and it's bigger than me. And this is a bigger conversation for another day. But there is nothing in the way of Jesus that is only for self. Everything about the way of Jesus is about others. Everything about the way of Jesus is what God does in here is meant to make its way out to there for everybody that doesn't know Jesus yet. So don't miss what John does here. He gives you God's love and he tells you all responsibility. And I'm just here to invite you to not only belong here and to get comfortable here, but there's an opportunity before us to love in a way that drives out the fear of rejection. Quick little Google search will tell you, there's 38,000 undergraduate students at Kennesaw State University. Legit, like when I started doing the living room in 2015, I'm pretty sure there was like 20. I'm not that good at math, but that's almost double. You're like, Oh yeah, it is almost double, that's 40. <laughs> Come on. There is an opportunity before you and before me and before us to show and reflect the love that drives out fear. A love that shows and proves and screams with a megaphone to the world that you can belong. An opportunity for you and for those that aren't here yet to be connected to what matters most. To experience a love but then to show a love that changes everything. Because there's a savior that came to change everything for you and for me. There might be some of you in the room tonight that you're feeling things out and you're just checking things out. Or maybe, maybe you're a person of faith. Maybe you're not a person of faith. Or maybe you used to be a person of faith and you walked away from faith. Maybe for you, for the longest time, the church has communicated to you all the wrong things and you never felt like church could be a place that you belong. No matter where you are, hear me loud and clear. This is that place. <clears throat> and if you've never placed your faith in Jesus before, if you've wondered like what the big deal is about Jesus, the big deal about Jesus is this, is that he died a death that you and I deserved. He died for your sins and my sins. That sin is like oil and water, <clears throat> Apple and Android, right? I won't tell you which one is which. They're incompatible. 
So our sin made us incompatible with God. So Jesus came to remove that and to make us compatible with God again. He died on the cross for your sins and then he rose from the grave three days later, setting us free to experience belonging and to experience fullness following him. So if you've never placed your faith in Jesus before, right here, night one, I'm gonna give you opportunity to put your faith in Jesus, right? Right where you are. <clears throat> and there's not like a magic formula or a magic prayer that you have to pray. What I'm gonna do in just a moment is I just, if that's you in the room, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, if for the longest time you never felt like you can belong in church because of the sin, because of the past, because of the story, and for the first time you're hearing that isn't the gospel and that isn't Jesus, that there is space here with whatever you've got, that you can come as you are. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus before, and for the first time you're hearing the freedom of the message of grace, I just wanna give you an opportunity right where you are to put your faith in Jesus. So real quick, we're just gonna bow our heads and. Close our eyes. And if that's you tonight, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. It's not magic, it doesn't save you. It just allows you to verbalize what God is already doing in your heart. So if that's you in the room tonight, you can just say this to yourself. You can pray this prayer to God, just to yourself. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I confess that I'm a sinner in desperate need of a savior. I believe that your work on the cross was enough to save me from my sin. I wanna surrender my life to you and follow you as best as I can, confident that your grace is enough for me. Everyone's head is down. If, you, if, if, if that was you tonight, could you just look at me and give me just a little bit of a wave and say hello? Hey, it's awesome. If that was you tonight. Yeah, let me, it's awesome. It's amazing. Um, if y'all would look up at me for a second. We're gonna sing one more song. Um, but I'm gonna, this is really cool. <clears throat> this is awesome. This is incredible. I'm gonna ask, if that was you tonight, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. It's no pressure. But I'm gonna ask you of something. Because I mentioned that this is a place, this family, this is a place where we celebrate. This is a place where we make people feel loved. And what I would love to do, if that was you tonight, if you would be so brave to just give us seven seconds of courage and just right where you are, stand up so that this group of people here that is gonna become your, there we go, that's incredible. Stay standing, that's amazing. That's incredible. That's awesome. That's awesome. Some, if you're here with somebody, give, give them a hug. Somebody needs to give them a hug. Anybody, don't be weird. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, did you just, did someone just stand up over here? Hey, that's incredible. Come on. That's so good. That's so good. Jesus came to change everything for you. And he did question. Will we follow? Will we believe? And according to John, will we be the types of people that show that love and change to the world? I'm just telling you, 
This season that you're in in college will be unlike anything you could have ever imagined if we leaned in, let out, and loved well. Welcome to the living room. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for Jesus. We're so grateful for the love that he showed, for the grace that he's shown. And we're so grateful that you meet us as we are and where we are. And I just pray, Father, for the rest of this semester, for the hearts of these students, for the ones that are here and for the ones that aren't here yet, for the roommates that are gonna get invited and for the sorority sisters or fraternity brothers that are gonna find their way here. I pray, Lord, for the, um, for the circles of influence that these students find themselves. I pray, Lord, that they would find the courage to love in a way that drives out fear and reflects your heart well. Would you work in us and through us? Thank you for making a way. Thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.